Hey, welcome in. I'm your host, Greg Esposito, the Espo in the Espo Show. I'm so excited to have you here because I have a very special guest on the program that I am thrilled to talk to. He's a guy that I got to first know when he was working in media relations in the WNBA, and it's been my pleasure to watch his uh, his run through uh, the sports world and working in the video room, then becoming an assistant coach in the NBA, a head coach in the G League. He is now an author, and I'm very excited to have him on to talk about his new book, Catching Confetti. His name is Brett Burchard, and I'm so glad to have him here. Brett, thanks so much for uh, for taking the time and joining us on the show today. Awesome. Thanks for having me. I suppose good to reconnect, and uh, good to see the book up there on your uh, uh fancy mantle it's got a nice special place appreciate the shout out i promise you i'm actually reading it i'm two-thirds <laughs> of the way through it and i've loved it so far so it doesn't just sit there it's not just pretty it's actually functional as well and yeah. and i want to talk to you about the book i want to get into it but i have to know and i want the the listeners and viewers uh, to hear your story how do you go from working uh, in the WNBA and in media relations in what was kind of a part-time internship to becoming an NBA assistant coach and then a G league head coach kind of, and then, and then author as well. How do you, how do you make that journey? How do you make that transition? Yeah, I guess uh, one step at a time. It, it's kind of crazy when you mentioned that back in 2010, uh, starting out in media relations for the Phoenix Mercury, uh, quite the journey. Um, you know, I came out of here to Phoenix thinking it was going to be a three month, four month seasonal position. And then, you know, dip my toe in the waters of the sports world and, and then find what's next. And next thing you know, 10 years later, married house and, uh, and got a home in Phoenix. And, uh, it's been an incredible journey. I think the PR part of it was to appease my mom at the beginning. Uh, you know, my dad was a basketball coach for almost 40 years in Missouri. So I grew up in that world and, and was leaning towards that world. And she cautioned me against it, saying I'd only hurt seeing the good sides of it. You know, my dad was in the Hall of Fame, name on the court, all the good stuff. And uh, so I, I went the PR route and realized it was too ingrained in my DNA to coach and um, be helping and teaching um, athletes. And so um, made the shift into the video room with the Phoenix Suns and then just found new opportunities to keep growing and advancing there. And next thing you know, uh, head coach of the G League team. And uh, um, so, yeah, it's been a heck of a ride. Does your mom hold it against you that you didn't didn't heed her advice or is she accepting now of uh, of the fact that you've decided to go the coaching route as well? Doesn't hold it against me, but she definitely uh, – cringes with every missed shot and turnover and, and feels the pain of every loss for sure. But she's definitely supportive. Well, I'm, I'm sure your dad, even though he had the hall of fame career and, and the success that he saw experienced ups and downs as well. How important has he been to your career path and what kind of wisdom has he provided you along the way also? Sure. He's been a huge influence. Uh, I mean, from the time I was little, I was born on the first day of basketball camp. My, sister and I took naps in the ball cage in the storage closet. So we, we were literally raised in the gym and, uh, and that was my life. I, my junior high was right across the street from the campus, the college that he coached at. And so every afternoon I would cross the street 
and set up shop on the scores table, do my homework while he's having practice. And whether he knew it or not at the time, you know, all the lectures he was giving his players before practice, after practice, and during stoppages, he was lecturing me too. And I was soaking in lessons from, from those times. And then all the access I got to be around him and his staff and staff meetings and road trips and, you know, different clinics he was a part of or coaching conventions, um, just all that exposure to uh, a really, I guess, deep level of thinking about the game at an early age kind of set me on the path that I ended up taking. So he's had a huge influence throughout the whole thing. Did, did your sister wind up in, in basketball as well, or, or was she spared that? Uh, Oddly enough, uh, she was spared it. She ended up, uh, <laughs> she was a big time swimmer. Uh, went to Missouri State, swam uh, Division One, but had no basketball abilities. <laughs> and there's a funny story in our family where uh, uh, dad eventually tells her, like, you know, you don't have to come to basketball camp if you don't want. One <laughs> 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 too many airballed free throws, maybe for <laughs> for his comfort. <laughs> well, we both spent time, as I mentioned, uh, with the Phoenix Suns, and that that's where you have spent your time over the last decade uh, in the, in the coaching and basketball operations side, what for you have been the biggest takeaways? I mean, we saw a lot of ups and downs uh, like, like everybody kind of experiences in the game, but what, what's been your takeaway from that time within the organization and what have you learned that's been most valuable to you? I think the biggest thing that's been most valuable to me is uh, learning how to turn opportunities or you know obstacles or change into opportunities and chances to grow and advance. Um, you mentioned about the highs and lows and and the turnover that happens and the ch- the amount of change that happens, um, especially in the NBA. And uh, and I've survived a lot of that change, you know, ten years of it, and just. Uh, learning how to, I guess, stay nimble and flexible and, and seek out opportunities when there may be disadvantages or obstacles or things uh, changing, um, looking for the opportunities and the way you can advance yourself, uh, not just advance yourself in status or title, but advance yourself in skills and abilities and qualities, characteristics that could take you where you want to go. Um, and so continually finding ways to learn and improve and grow um, has been the biggest takeaway for for me from the last ten years, and and I think where I've found success. Is there any any story or any moment that sticks out in your mind along that journey that you think that was the moment that that helped me change the most or helped put me on this path uh, to be able to uh, be an assistant coach or, or be a head coach along the way? I'm not sure if there was one moment, but I think about the different people I've worked for that that gave me opportunities to that maybe I wasn't ready for, but they saw it in me and I could I could jump at it. And uh, whether it's, you know, coaching one of the scrimmage teams in summer league practice, I mean, something is as small as that. It's a three day training camp getting ready for summer league and I get to coach the, the reserves. And, you know, you're you're dying for a chance to be a head coach and there's your chance. And it's like a small opportunity, but you, you learn from it and you, you throw yourself into it. Um, you know, Jay Triano was a awesome guy to work for. And, and there were times where he would say, you know, Hey, you got the first 10 minutes of practice. I'll take the next 20. And 
he didn't ask me what I was doing. I just had, you know, 10 minutes to explore what I was learning and, and practice and, and create and, uh, and try to serve our players where, where they needed it most. And um, so all those little advancement or opportunities, um, you know, working for Ty Ellis in the G League uh, was awesome because, you know, he let me act like I was the head coach. And so every day I got to prepare and, and take on opportunities to uh, learn and grow and advance myself and put in places that I might have been uncomfortable, but it, it grew me. And uh, so I think those all those little little moments added up to um, to where I am now. How important are those moments of, of discomfort and and trying to break through the the mental barriers that may say I'm not good enough or I'm not ready for this or just the doubt that creeps in? How how important is it to have uh, somebody like Ty Ellis or, or or Jay Triano who just believes in you maybe sometimes more than than you even believe in yourself? Yeah, it's huge to have someone open up those opportunities. I mean, I think. Uh, for all of us, um, when we're trying to advance or, or do the things we're aspiring to do, we need someone to crack the door, right? We need someone to, to give us a chance. And so to have those opportunities, but then to seize on those opportunities when you get them. And I think there's, there's two pieces to that. One is to prepare, to be ready for them. I think you, you can sit around and sulk and, ah, you know, I don't get a chance. I'll never get my opportunity. And then it comes and you're not ready for it, you know. When, when Jay Triano would say, hey, you got 10 minutes of practice, he didn't tell me the day before where I had 24 hours to prepare. He told me 10 minutes before. He said, hey, practice starts. You got the first 10. And so uh, all those days where I would just prepare and think about, all right, what is it? Uh, what would I do if I had 10 minutes today? And then I got the opportunity and I was ready for it. The second piece of it is to, to seize the opportunity to like what we say in the book is lean into where you might feel afraid and you, maybe you don't feel ready or it's uncomfortable. It's a new situation. Um, but those are the places we should be leaning into. Uh, I never felt comfortable with the phrase, you know, you got to be comfortable being uncomfortable because uncomfortable never feels comfortable, <laughs> but you do have to build a habit of like leaning into those spaces, you know, where we might feel uncomfortable or afraid, we want to run away from or hide from or protect ourselves from those. But those are actually the moments that lead us to our next big discovery or our next big chance. And, uh, and so trying to build a habit of just keep following those places that we feel afraid and where we might, maybe we feel vulnerable, um, I think is an is a important skill to learn. So what was what was the onus to to create the book? As a coach, I know you could have impact on 12 or 15 guys depending on on what your roster size is, but was this about reaching others and being able to help others in in not only writing the book but designing the courses that are going with it? Yeah, it was really a uh, um, that it was an uh, trying to reach as many people as possible and help as many people. I think in the the NBA, you have a roster of 15 guys and, you know, you can have a really deep impact on one or two of them. Um, but I think from what I've been learning the last five, six years about the mental side of the game and how it impacts your performance and uh, how it's underutilized and that it's not really being trained as thoroughly or deeply as it could be and not enough athletes are taking advantage of it. 
Um, so all that stirred in me to say, I want to help more people at a deeper level. And um, you know, writing is something I've always kind of done on my own. Um, it's something that I'm very comfortable with and, and, uh, and have developed a skill for. And so putting these ideas of what I've learned into a book and having a tangible resource that we can share with you know, thousands of athletes, but even reach beyond the athletic sphere. And, uh, and I think that's what um, inspired me the most to produce the book and the courses and just trying to help people at a, a, a wide range of people and then at a really deep level. Yeah, I, I don't think this comes as a shock to you and probably not to anybody uh, that's a fan of the show, but I'm not exactly a high-performance athlete. As a matter of fact, I'm not an athlete at all. But, you fooled me. Uh, yeah, but I, uh, you know, I found this book to be truly helpful even for me. I, I like I said, I'm two-thirds of the way through it, and I already find myself approaching things and attempting to approach things different mentally. I mean, the book's all about mindset and I'm, I'm trying to apply that to my everyday life. And, and honestly, uh, just being frank with you, Brett, this came at a time in my life that I really could use that. I, I needed to re-examine some things. I needed to look at some things and this has provided kind of a blueprint on how I can do that and go about that. Was that your initial intent? Was this was this meant for uh, people beyond just the athletes that that you were looking at, or or did you kind of discover that as you were writing this? Yeah, thanks for sharing that. It's super encouraging. Um, it was. I think uh, the original target audience was for athletes and coaches because it's the world I was living in and the world I thought I could help immediately. But um, digging through the content and sharing it with people outside of uh, the sports world, you quickly realize that um, it transcends just sports and competition. Uh, I think truth is true wherever it is, in sports, at home, in business. And I think that's what we found. Um, and the, the ability to shift the way you think has transformative uh, qualities to permeate your whole life. And when you find something that changes the way you behave at work, it's going to change the way you behave at home. And you find something that changes the way you think or act or make decisions in competition or in sports, it's going to change it when you interact with your money or you know, with business partners or um, in different relationships. And so I think we found that the truth transcends um, every part of your life. I found it interesting early in the book, uh, you talk about how you can't define yourself by your job or what you do or, or the people that are, are your relationships in your life, because at some point uh, you may not have those other things, but you're going to have to look yourself uh, in the mirror and understand who you are. Uh, that resonated with me because I think so many of us define ourselves uh, by by that job title or by uh, by the people in our lives and, and quite frankly we kind of start to lose ourselves our, ourself uh, what was there an experience or, or something in your life that that made this resonate so much with you and made this a key tenant uh, in what you're trying to accomplish in the book yeah, I think when it opened my eyes, it uh, it opened me to a lot of places where I was maybe feeling stuck or um, 
maybe pursuing a mission or a goal that wasn't really true to who I was. Um, and when I, when I learned to start seeing things through identity first, you know, who am I apart from what I'm doing and who I'm in relationship with, um, then it opened me up to uh, new creativity, new motivation, um, maybe new ideas about uh, how to help. You know, it, it opened up a new mission that maybe I don't have to just be a basketball coach to be accepted in my communities, but I can help people more with mindset development and books and courses and, and things like that. And uh, I think um, once I was able to reframe my life through this filter first, uh, it took a lot of pressure off of the performance. And I think, uh, you know, for, as a coach, your players start to realize that your colleagues start to realize it, but for anybody, your whole family is going to start to realize it. Your coworkers are going to start to realize it, that, uh, when you're not stressed out of over, am I performing, performing well enough to be validated? Uh, when you're not stressed over, uh, am I a part of this community or group? to be able to feel like I belong, then you start to show up in a different way, a different presence. Um, it's a more relaxing presence, a more inviting presence, and, and everyone enjoys being around you more. So what you were talking about, you're gonna start doing work that you enjoy uh, and you thrive in, and you're gonna start being around people that you enjoy and they enjoy you <laughs> a little more. Well, I can't imagine the the pressure of a professional coach and and how if you don't have this mindset or if you don't accept this mindset how difficult it is to ride with the highs and lows because uh, you talk about uh, different uh, different losses and i believe it was even uh, at the beginning of a season with uh, with the g league uh, naz yeah. suns and, and you you experience multiple losses, uh, difficult losses in a row, if your identity is tied to that, if you're, if everything's tied to that job, how difficult is it to, to kind of make it through and, and ride out those, t those tough seasons yeah. or those tough stretches? So hard. Look, we were on a four game losing streak, I think. And our staff was scrambling to figure out, okay, how to change it, how to fix it, how to get back on track. And everything we were trying wasn't working, wasn't working, wasn't working. So we tried, we made one more try, right? And we show up second night of a back-to-back, -back, the same team we played two nights in a row, and we're going to try a new tactic, a new strategy, a new approach. And we lose by 35 points. Like, there's nothing more devastating to be in the locker room and feel like nothing I do is going to work. And uh, the problem is, I think at that point, we were 10 or 12 games into the season. We still had 40 more to play. We had... Uh, four or five months left to go. Like you can't just quit. You have to find a way to keep going, but you also have to find a way to keep serving the people that you're you're um, coaching and leading. And to be able to to show up and say, "Hey, you guys aren't performing well enough for me to be validated as a coach. Get your act together." That doesn't help anybody. Yeah. Um, to shift the mindset to say how they perform doesn't define me as a person or as a coach. Um, I need to show up to give. I need to show up to serve. And, um, and that's what we talk about in the book is the first step is the resilient mindset. Like how do you keep going uh, in these circumstances? And the, the first step is shifting the way you think is changing this filter that 
I'm not defined by the results um, or the way that we're doing things, I'm not defined by the groups I'm a part of. Uh, so if I'm okay, regardless of what happens, even if we lose the next 40 games, if I'm going to be okay as a person, then I, how can I show up now? The pressure's off. There's no, he's fully present, fully engaged. Um, and that's the first step. What What's the key in, in your mind to finding that identity, to, to understanding and fully realizing that portion of it? Because it seems like it's such a key to everything else that you lay out in the book is, is that first step of, of just understanding and identifying who you are and what you believe. And I think that's, that's a part that a lot of people struggle with. Yeah, it is. It is the foundation for everything else um, that goes on in the book. That's why we touch on it in chapter, uh, chapter two, I guess. Um, and I think the easiest way to figure out who you are or the quickest way is to figure out who you're not. It sounds weird or backwards, but to start figuring out, like make a list all right, here's everything that would make up my mission or what I do or the roles that I fill. Uh, here's everything that makes up my community, the relationships I'm a part of. And being able to reframe every moment of your life. So when I walk in at home, like uh, being a husband doesn't define me. It's a role that I fill. And I want to do it well, but it's not all of me. Um, you know, my relationship with uh, my um team, like being a part of the organization or the team, like it doesn't define me. It's uh, a group that I'm a part of for now. It may not last forever and that's okay. I'll be okay regardless of that. It's trying to start separating that stuff out and then recognizing where that you may be too attached. Um, it's a kind of a counterintuitive exercise we give you in the book, but it's imagining what happens if all those things go away. What happens? Like you get fired, uh, your spouse leaves you, uh, you get, uh, you lose by 35 points. Like starting to imagine what happens, who am I if that happens? And if you feel the stress and anxiety, like the whole world's gonna cave out from under me, it's a clue. Like your identity is too wrapped up in mission and community. Um, and so we start stripping back um, those attachments. Um, that's really the, the starting point for figuring out this secure core. Yeah. I, I've part fascinating to, to be honest, uh, because I, you know, a, we all go through a lot of change in life. And I think this year has been uh, a, a major example of that. We've all experienced a lot of things, but uh, you know, I've gone through career changes and, and, and different things that, you know, I, I had a had a child a few years ago when my wife had the child <laughs> and, uh, you know you go through those changes and you if you're not thinking in this way you really do you go well i i'm now not in that career who who am i what mm -hmm. am i because i've i've defined myself uh, by so much of that and and i find that fascinating the mental exercise just kind of strip that stuff away so i really enjoyed that part but you all, you also get into goal setting and talking mm -hmm. about that. Can you ex just share with the listeners a little bit about the keys that, that you think are important when setting goals and, and trying to define those? Yeah. Uh, so funny story about um, goals, which you read in the book. I was a freshman in college and our 
our coach had challenged our team to set goals for the year. So, you know, we all get together and the whiteboard and we fill out our goal sheet and the goals are typical, right? You know, win 20 games, you know, best defense in the conference, win a conference championship. One of our goals was to make noise at the national tournament. And uh, we had been to the national tournament before, but hadn't really progressed through the tournament. And so we wanted to make noise. Well, our coach uh, was reviewing our goals and he said, uh, so uh, what are we going to do? We're going to go out to the tournament and with rattles and kazoos and cheer on our conference rivals. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't being a jerk about it. He was just challenging us to upgrade our mindset. The other thing he said was, you know, we had a goal to win all of our home games. And he said, well, what happens if we lose our first one? It's like, are we going to quit? We cancel the rest of the season, then what? And it and it hit me that goals are brittle. Like they can change quick. How many, I would guess, how many have goals that they set in January, February, and then April hits and they're all out the window? Especially like, you know, especially this year. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> then none of them are achievable anymore. Well, now what do you do? And so it, it struck me that you know, goals are helpful, right? They can get you through like short-term um, projects, like accomplishing writing a book, right? I needed some short-term goals to hit, checkpoints to see how I was doing along the way. But real motivation comes from a vision that transcends the circumstances, right? How do I uh, not lose sight of the vision of who I want to become regardless of what happens in our circumstances, um, external variables that are out of my control. And so I encourage people, uh, instead of setting achievement goals, set being goals. So focus on more on who do you want to become, less on what do you want to achieve? What are the qualities about yourself that you want to uh, develop? Um, you know, my process of becoming a head coach, it wasn't like I'm gonna become a head coach in the next three years. Like I could backstab and brown those my way to the title. But instead, the vision was, who do I need to be? What kind of person and what kind of skills do I need to be the kind of person who can be a head coach? And I went to work on developing those. And then when the opportunity arises, I'm prepared. I'm ready for that. And, and um, it's a next gradual, um, like realistic step into that achievement. But it was all focused on on becoming. Like, who are you becoming in the process? To to me, that seems like it's a, it's a huge step for teams to learn too, because not every guy is going to be the star. Uh, every every player has to have a role, but they can become better, uh, a better teammate, and a lot of better th things as a player if they just focus on like you're talking about who they want to become uh, as a person, what qualities they need to get better at. And, you know, obviously they still need to work on their game, but it, it seems like with that kind of mindset, you can really build a true team atmosphere with that. For sure. And it still includes skill building. You know, I want to be the leading scorer on the team or I want to be an all-star. Okay. Well, I got to improve my abilities to score in these certain ways. I'm not just going to, jack up all the shots so I can be the leading scorer. You know, I used to say, you used to hear people say, you know, every team has a leading scorer, right? <laughs> so you want to be a leading scorer, just find a bad enough team and you can be one. Like, but 
what kind of player do you want to be that's efficient and and uh, um, and has the skills and abilities and who can shoulder the load of being a leading scorer? It's not that easy. It's it looks sexier than it is, I'm sure. Um, so uh, it can still include skill building, but yeah, for each person to have a vision for who they can become as part of the team, and then that vision can transcend, uh, you know, external variables like if you get traded or um, someone takes your spot, you go from a starter to a reserve, like are your goals or your vision for who you can be, uh, is that still attainable? Is it still a motivating factor? So going through this process in writing this book, was there mm -hmm. anything that you wanted, wound up changing about this process that you were looking at about, about these uh, tenets of, of success that you were writing about that, as you were as you were working on the book, you went, "Oh well, this is something that this process has taught me that I, I actually want to add into this book that maybe uh, even in coaching you hadn't necessarily realized." For sure, it was really a, a blessing. We started the book about two years ago, and uh, and I had a very rough first draft written, and then became head coach of uh, the G League team for the Suns. And of course, that shelved the book writing process uh, as coaching takes up a lot of attention and energy and time. Um, but then going through those two years uh, as a head coach and applying some of the things that I was learning and, and had in the original copy of the book. And then now two years later, pandemic hits, basketball shuts down. It gives us five months to just dive into writing um, and to see where the content grew and shaped and changed uh, over um, experience and trying to apply it. Um, and then it's still speaking to me today. Like just last week, I had a friend post a picture of one of the pages from the book that he had highlighted. He posted on Instagram. I read it and I'm like, man, that's pretty good. I went back and read the chapter and I was like, this is exactly what I needed to hear. And uh, I think that's the cool thing. I guess two parts of that is one, I didn't write this for everybody else as much as I wrote it for myself. Um, and it spoke to me so deeply that it's worth sharing to everyone else. Um, and then two, what I hoped for the book was that it would be a resource that you could come back to over and over and over. Um, it's an eternal well of knowledge. You know, As you grow and you try new experiences and you take on new challenges, our mindset's going to get tested again. And you have to find ways to upgrade your mindset. And you just continually are challenging um, yourself as you go. You know, I had a, there's a story in the book about my mountain biking expeditions. And uh, where I one year um, took my bike into the bike shop. I didn't feel like my brakes were working well enough. And I took the bike into the shop for a tune-up. And I told him the problem. And the guy was like, you know, how do you like your brakes, tighter or looser? So I like them to work. <laughs> I, I just want to be able to stop. And when I'm going down these hills, I don't feel like I'm stopping at all and they're not helping me. He checked out the bike. He said, look, your brakes are fine. Here's the deal. We all get scared. And once we get scared, once we conquer the fear, we just start riding harder, harder stuff. So the fear is not going to go away. But if you got to continually upgrade your mindset, to, to embrace and accept and conquer the new challenges in front of you.
So is your hope that, you know, I think the cliche question here would be, what's the one thing you hope people take away from this book? But to me, it feels like it depends on where a person is in their life and when they pick it up, uh, like you said, they could pick it up multiple times mm-hmm. and maybe pull something out uh, that, that it resonates with them at the time. Is that, is that the case? Is that what you're hoping rather than one thing you think they really should pull out of it? Sure. I think uh, hopefully a couple of encouragements they get. Um, one, the uh, superpowers that we see in our athletic heroes aren't reserved for a chosen few. We like to say, oh, they got it, I don't. You know, look, we don't all have LeBron's physical prowess and athletic ability, but the way he can perform at elite levels under immense pressure and keep going regardless of the circumstances, those things aren't unique to just him or aren't chosen just for him. Like we can develop them in ourselves as well. Um, And the second thing is, is a shift in focusing on what makes the difference. You know, it's not just an application of uh, leadership principles and, you know, should and should nots. It's a shift in the way you think. And if you can work on developing your mindset, like something I don't think I saw enough of uh, or don't see enough of in the NBA um, is um, a, a development of mental training skills. And not just to fight off depression and anxiety, but to perform at elite world-class levels. And I think it's something we all can do. We don't have to just um, sit back and, and be victims to the circumstances that are happening in our lives. You know, we, can, we can stand up and thrive in them. Oh, you've got, you've got courses that are, that are going with this as well, correct? What it, uh, yeah. t- talk a little bit about, about those and, and how those are, are being applied, how people can get involved in those. Are those just for teams, just for athletes, or are you also working with individuals and, and even maybe uh, companies as well? We work with any ambitious person who's looking to grow and, and uh, try to upgrade their performance. So whether that's in sports, whether that's at home, in business, um, you know, we're here to serve them. The course uh, goes along with the book. It's uh, nine videos, eight lessons, and we, we give you exercises. And um, what's really valuable about the course, uh, two things. One, we do certified coaching or working with you one-on-one. And so uh, we'll help you customize it to your unique experience and accelerate your learning through it. Um, the second thing, it comes with a discussion guide that's great for teams and groups to do together. Um, we found really uh, um, impactful power in small communities having a shared language to go through the content and encourage each other and, and help each other upgrade and get unstuck. And having that shared language is just a really great shortcut to, to get right to the problem uh, and solution. And so that's what the course is available for, um, for yes, athletes, coaches, um, also business people, um, and, and people who are just looking to improve different aspects of their life and, uh, and a coaching process that we can help you, um, customize it and, and accelerate it. Great. And can you tell the, the listeners and viewers where they can, uh, can find that and where they can access that? Absolutely. It's at catching confetti, the uh, confetti is two T's and one I. So you don't have to 
Google it. Uh, catchingconfettithebook.com. You can find access to the book and you can also find access to the course that we offer there. Great. I Like I said, I highly recommend the book if you are looking for something to read because some of us have more downtime than we used to. I highly recommend it. It's a little over 100 pages, but uh, everything I've read so far, and I, and I have a feeling the end of the book is is just as good as the, the first two-thirds of it, you're going to find something that you can apply to your daily life. Or if you're a high school, college, or, or even a pro coach, I, I, you know, I, there's, there's wisdom here that you can find and you can apply with the team. Uh, Brett, where can uh, everybody find you as well? Anything else you want to want to promote before we? Yeah, go? thanks for having me on, Espo. I'm uh, um, really happy to to share about this and, and hopefully help a lot of people with it. Um, if you want more content, uh, try to stay active on Twitter at Brett Burchard. Um, but even uh, even more specific impact we have is at our website championshift.com. It's S H I F T. So championshift.com. If you uh, you can uh, plug in your email there. We stay in communication um, with with weekly content uh, and, and different course offerings through that. So two great ways to connect with us. Great. Well, you know, I always it's always a pleasure to talk to you, man. Uh, I don't get to do it as much as we used to, but I always enjoy when we get the chance to. So uh, so thanks again for for taking some time out of uh, out of your busy life to uh, spend a few minutes with us here on the show. Thanks, Espo. Appreciate you having me on. He is Brett Burchard. I highly recommend it. Hit championshift.com and uh, and check out everything that he's doing. Subscribe to his newsletter, buy the book. Uh, and we'll be back just in a second.